Hi, my name is Jeff van der Zandt, and this is Uncommon. Uncommon is a production focused on the why of business, media, and marketing. It's made by my team at Neural, a digital agency for challenger brands and talent. To learn more, just visit neural.com. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. My guest this week, Jeff van der Zandt co-owner and director of Workshop Creative and TikTok creator. You still warming Milo up in the microwave? <laughs> um, yes. And I didn't realize that was apparently the wrong thing to do until I did it and everyone was horrified. Who said this was the wrong thing to do? The comments? Section? Yeah, the comment section of that post. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon, Jacob? Because I, I, I used to do that. Yeah. Like I feel like that's pretty normal. I feel like a lot of people put hot water in it. Yeah. For a hot Milo. Right. Which I'm like, I okay, don't want so a water that, in Milo. I'm just thinking back to that actual post you made because I was just trawling through your profile <laughs> yesterday again. Wow, you went pretty far back. Yeah, I did go very far back. We have tools for these things. Yeah, great. It's actually really interesting looking at your profile on uh, this system called TrendPop and like when you see the whole picture of like the data. Right. It's really, really interesting because… Um, TikTok just doesn't give much in terms of analytics. Like it'll no. give you total numbers, but it won't give you like specific stuff, if right. that makes sense. So I can tell like the posts. I was just looking back out of curiosity, the posts that brought in the largest amount of followers for you. Oh my God. I don't even know that. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because <laughs> you can see like um progressive growth and like the percentage of growth. So there's sometimes where you've done a post and you've grown by like five percent in a day. Yeah, wow. Which is pretty big. And I couldn't even tell you what that was. <laughs> yeah. I could uh, I'm sure there are also posts that have lost me, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah, prob- a day. probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit like that. That is pretty, that's pretty standard on that <laughs> platform, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. So, Van de Zant. I'm so impressed that you said it correctly. Well, we've got a friend, a uh, very close friend, Van de Z. Okay. Uh, Z means C in Dutch. Yep. Um, pretty, I'm just trying to remember. Vanda means um, of. Essentially, yeah, from the from the yeah. So, like in her situation, her family's from that part of the Netherlands near Denmark, where it's sort of like um, always forget the name of them, but like Deutz and Crows is like the popular example. But they're they're a group of people that are sort of Dutch, but they're not anyway. That's that like really stood in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that last name. So, um, of the Zant Sand. Where is that? From the sand is all I know that that means. I don't know exactly where that is in Holland, but from the sand is what I've known that to mean. And it's your dad or your mum? My dad. And he came here, like he was born there? Yes, he was born in Holland. I think he came here when he was, well, I'll probably get this wrong, maybe 30, maybe a bit younger. Okay. Yeah. So he's a classic, like he moved out for work type. Exactly. Scenario. I think again, I could be I could be lying here again, but I think he was part of building like the Sydney Opera House. Like he was he was here building a lot of those. He was building when he came to Australia. Okay. And he's always been a builder? Uh I think it was just whatever job that he could find at the time, really. Like he was a plumber, he was a labourer, he was, you know, just like anything that could get him out of Holland and get him working in Australia. And what about your mum? So your mum's from the Philippines. Correct. How did they meet? They met at an embassy, I think. I think my dad was a labourer at the embassy and she was a cleaner. Um, at which embassy? Oh, I couldn't tell you the embassy. Maybe <laughs> the Argentinian embassy? 
don't quote me on that. I, I, that's what sticks out in my mind. But yeah. they, I think they met there, but then um, just a casual kind of like, oh, yeah, hey. And then he put a, <laughs> this is how old they are, he put an ad in the classifieds, like looking for a friend, like, you know, international person looking for a friend. Um, and she responded. Really? Yeah. And then they were like, oh, my God, it's no you from, the, from the embassy. And that's, yeah, right. that's it. Because I can imagine how this goes, you know, like, in my building, when um, the cleaners come in at like six, you're like, hey, how's it going? How's, <laughs> how's your day? Because you're trying to like build like a relationship. Totally. It's a different of. environment. I think you're just yeah. trying to be pleasant in that scenario. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, it's a hard day. And they're just picking up the bin and emptying. And so you, you can see how that conversation would begin. <laughs> That's quite interesting. What is your earliest memory? Oof. Um, it's probably being in the Philippines. I used to go to the Philippines sort of once every two, three years from when I was a baby till about when I was 17, I reckon. Okay. Um, so I, I have a lot of really early memories in the Philippines, being at farms and... When you say the Philippines, so where's your mum from? Is she from a regional area or Manila? She's from Manila, um, but just like one of the little towns in Manila. Yeah, right. Um, but her family owned a farm. Um, so I remember a lot, spending a lot of time there. Okay. And what do you remember about that time there? Being terrified of chickens. Uh, like they have okay. these massive chicken coops. And like I, even to this day, I think I'm still scared of like really flappy birds. But like <laughs> I have this really early memory of like walking through the chicken coop and there being all this like really thin bamboo and just like chicken feathers everywhere. It was just, it's just terrifying for a young kid. Yeah. Yeah, they, they can be, like, and where did you grow up? Like, were you in a sort of uh, city environment? Yeah, from Canberra. So, like, oh, you okay, know, yeah. <laughs> the most sort of dry, you know, full of buildings. Yeah. Um, so, city boy through and through. Totally. And then you go back to regional um, Manila. Yeah. And, yeah, I can imagine these big cockerels or... Um, totally. chickens yep. getting in your face and you're like, fuck. Yeah, and so many cockroaches too. I once, when I was, one trip when I was there in the Philippines, I got bitten on the eye by a cockroach. Really? While I, I slept. I didn't those cockroaches bite. I know, right? <laughs> Neither did I. And mm-hmm. then I woke up, my eye was swollen, and they were like, yep, you've been bitten by a cockroach. Wow. When was the last time you went back to the Philippines? For my 30th birthday. I was there for my cousin's wedding, who is basically the same age as me, and so... We, I just stayed on for an extra couple of weeks, went to an island with some friends yeah, right. for my 30th. Did you go back to Holland much as a kid? No, because it's it's a lot easier to go to the Way Philippines. Easier. It's yeah. so cheap and like it's only eight hours, whereas like to go to Holland, it's such a um, it's 20 plus such hours. an effort. Yeah, Easy. totally. Um, I think I've only been once as a kid and then I went once as an adult. And does like your dad have much family back there? Yeah, yeah, a, lo- a lot of his um, brothers and his sister are still there. Okay, interesting. Although I, I can speak almost no Dutch and I can speak fluent Filipino. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a theory about this that it comes down to what language the mother speaks. Oh, really? Because like at the end of the day, when, when you really learn a language is sub four, right? Like oh, it's sure. really ingrained yeah, yeah. in your mind. They, they talk about how like kids, you've got to like introduce them to language really early. And... Yeah, I, I think it's if you're under four and it's often defined by, unless you've got really headstrong parents, it's often defined by how stringent your mother is. Mm. So the examples that I have in my family is all the men are Greek, Greek family. Um, most of their wives are not. Most of the kids, they speak Greek, but most of the kids do not. Mm. And 
we have family friends that are from what the guy is from France and the wife is Australian as well. They have no family, so they've been adopted basically into our family Christmas type Easter right. scenario. And he is very headstrong about he only speaks French to the boys. Um, so that they learnt mm. French as part of that. And it was just something I noticed growing up with Greek friends as kids, like the mother was always really like adamant that you should learn Greek. So I don't know a word like I know a lot of things like food, counting, yep. alphabet, random phrases like hello and goodbye yeah, yeah, yeah. and thank you and all that. But yeah, I just don't know anything. I feel like it became a party trick with my mum. Or like a lot of Filipinos <laughs> sort of like teach babies or like kids how to count or like they teach them Filipino words because it's like fun. I don't know. Like it's yeah. this party trick that they can then show to their friends. Like, look, you can count in Tagalog. Yeah. And so, yeah, I much, there was just always that uh, Filipino language growing up, whereas there was almost no Dutch. I really want to go to the Philippines. We've got great. two Filipino talent, half Australian, half Filipino talent on our roster. And I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Like, do you know Anthony Bourdain? Yes. Yeah, he… Not personally. Not personally. Yes. <laughs> do you? <laughs> no, he did Best like… Friends. He did a few episodes where he went to the Philippines and it's just, it's a, I don't know, it's a fascinating place to me. Totally. I mean, um, the islands are so beautiful, but Manila is a completely different ball game. Like, yeah. I probably wouldn't want to go to Manila. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, yeah, you could go to Manila, but like absolutely go to the islands. They're stunning. Yeah. I think a lot of Filipinos say like, you know, Manila's Vanilla, <laughs> Manila, is massive and important, but they also say it can also be a shithole. <laughs> and um, the real Philippines is not sometimes not in Manila. No, I feel like Manila itself is quite um, gentrified and mm. like. Whereas I feel like the real Manila for me is you know in the provinces, like the, yeah, the kind of yeah. like outskirts, because that's where I sort of used to always go and that's where my mum's family is from. So I understand that as Manila, like um, that that feels like the Philippines to me. Whereas when we went for my cousin's wedding, we stayed in like the city of Manila and I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, when you go to Asia, I feel like you get a lot of megaopolises, like oh, capital absolutely. cities. Yeah, yeah. Like Japan's like that even. Yeah. And Vietnam's like that. Like you go to a city and it's it's just ginormous and people gravitate towards it for work, but then you get to like the regional areas and it's like real life. Yeah, totally. And that's exactly, I, Vietnam's a great example of that. Like yeah. I went to Ho Chi Minh City and I was like, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like when you're in the sort of the other places, like uh, sort of like in the jungle or sort of uh, anywhere outside of yeah, Ho Chi Minh any, City, yeah. I'm like, oh, this feels way nicer than um, the central. So growing up, was there any key lessons you think you'd learned from your parents, like directly or? indirectly at all? Look, I, I would say that my mum is really creative with her hands and my dad's really creative with his brain. Okay. I reckon they're probably the two things that I learned from both of them. Like my mum was always, I have lots of memories of my mum making things. Like she used to make my pajamas. She used to help me with dioramas. Like she was always really clever with physically making things. Mm -hmm. um, my dad as well, to some extent, making furniture and things like that. But he was he runs his own business. And so I think a lot of my, I guess, sort of business sense comes from him. So your dad, throughout his whole life, your mum, after they had you, what do they, what do they do for work? Uh, they both still run this business. It's like a um, 
there's lots of businesses within this business. Um, okay. It's like a, they did school uniforms for a while. They do embroidery. They do flags. They sell flags to lots of embassies. Um, yeah, there's lots of different. They did like sort of glass etching for a while. I remember right. this massive glass etching machine that I used to play with <laughs> as a kid. Um, just kind of anything. They did lots of custom things like embroidering towels. and. Like, Sounds like a lot of like textiles and other sort of similar totally. manufacturing. Because I think, my, again, my mum was very like in into it with her hands and my dad was very sort of business savvy. So like, you know, importing badges from China or flags or, you know, like creating a company in that sense. And then my mum making like you know, managing embroidery machines and making things that are really beautiful. It was the perfect combination for them both, I think. Do you think that like we were chatting in the the lift as we were coming up and talking about you know, you getting into your own business, do you ever feel like, you know, you were frustrated in a corporate environment? Do you ever feel like that sort of influenced you at all and, and you really just found it? Because <laughs> um, like as, for me growing up, it, it was always like drilled into your head that you had to have a business just because like everyone in the family did, like small family businesses, if that makes sense. Look, I feel like I... Uh, <laughs> I probably never thought about it in that sense. My dad always wanted me to like, you know, take over his business or whatever, but I just, I never wanted to do that. And I think I still, <laughs> even <laughs> though I have a business, I am still not of the like, I'm going to create a massive global company. Like I'm, I don't yeah. have any. You don't want succession? <laughs> no, no, none of that. But like, I, I'm, I don't, I don't look for, that's not something that I, um, dream about like that's not something that I want for my life I think having done a lot of the corporate thing my my goal was only ever to <laughs> this sounds really corny but my goal was only to just be happy in doing something that I loved mm. and kind of the only way that I could do that was to and it just kind of happened organically that we started our own company because there was you know a lot of work and I had a business partner so it sort of just made the most sort of financial sense to start a business. Yeah, right. But I wasn't like, I'm going to start a business. I don't know what it is yeah. but I'm going to start a business. business no, 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 none of that. I'm the least sort of businessman you'll ever meet as you can see. <laughs> hey, look, business today, I mean, particularly when you're in the marketing space, um, that was because I, my parents were adamant that I had to do a profession and the best thing I could pick was like accounting and banking and I came out of it. I hated it. So yeah. I worked in finance and marketing and sales roles and I always noticed that those roles better suited my personality trait. And then eventually as I got into the marketing industry, I was like, okay, this, this makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So I think it's pretty commonplace. You'll rock up at an agency and people are in shorts. Totally. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's not a big thing. When we look at like your studies and early career, so you did Bachelor of Advertising and Marketing, design major. Yep. So essentially you're a graphic designer by trade. Yeah. When you think about it. I mean, really, my mum was like, you have to study something. I wanted to be an actor and she was like, of yeah. my dead body. Um, Typical so... immigrant mentality. They're just like, you have to, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. And this is going to be horrific, but I watched Catwoman <laughs> with Halle Berry and I was like, I want to do what she does. Um, <laughs> what, like there was actor? This, like, no, as in, no, as in like in the movie Catwoman, right. she like walks into, 
And I haven't watched Catwoman <laughs> since, but this is my like, this is how it works in my memory. She's like walks into an agency with like a big rolled up thing and she like rolls out the sheet and they're like looking at designs and whatever. And I was like, that looks super cool. Like to work in an agency that does that, I want to do that. Interesting. And so when I was forced to choose something to study, I was like, sure, marketing sounds fun. Yeah, right. Um, but then kind of fell into design. Interesting. So, yeah, there, there's many different roles here. Uh, the business council in Canberra, yep. um, working in comms. So, obviously, you took a bit of a deviation away from pure yes. uh, design. So, um, comms officer at the VEC. Uh, then we have, looks like, back into the agency game. So, Studio Jack, Cleminger. And then we get into Pond Life and AK, which... Um, now in hindsight, look like specialist firms in the theatre space. Yep. But I'm. It sort of sounds like they weren't exactly that at that point in time. But where did the whole theatre uh, specialization come from? I mean, I've always, I always wanted to do that because it's where my passion is. Like I used to perform in amateur shows in Canberra. Right. Like my sister performed professionally in shows in Melbourne and Sydney. Really? And so I feel like theatre has always been part of my life and it's always been the thing that excited me. And because I wasn't allowed to be a performer, I was like, they're still my people though. Like I love those people and designing and working for that thing is, you're still in that industry, you're still doing that thing. Um, But my mum was always like, you have to do something that is like steady. Like theatre... Being a performer is so up and down in terms of when you get a gig and when you don't. It's not a consistent um, income yeah. for, for some people, which made my mum panic. And that's what that <laughs> I think comes from where she's like, get a real job, you know, in quote, in very strong quotation marks. <laughs> How did your sister get away with it then? Is she the younger? Well, she's my half sister. So oh, okay. not my mother's actual daughter, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, your father's daughter? Correct. Right. Do you have any other siblings? I have. She's my my oldest sister, who's her full sister, and then my um, full sister. Okay. And is she at all involved in the uh, the theatre design marketing space? Which one? My Your full sister? Uh, no, she's a nurse. Oh, wow. She's a nurse, and my, um, my other stepsister is a kind of lawyer, very high government consultant. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I was curious, maybe there's like something that runs in the family there, you know what I mean? Well, I think it comes from my dad. Like my dad used to perform in sort of cabaret sort of stuff. So he was very, right. I think we get a lot of our creative stuff from him, me and my performing sister. Before you jumped into the agency, when you look back at that period, was there any golden principles, marketing, business or otherwise that you sort of picked up and were adamant about with your with Ash? In which way, sorry? Like, um, Maybe there is an approach that you guys go about creative things or maybe there's an approach in the way that you go about your business. Like obviously you've got this specialization. So Mm -hmm. I would assume there's something that still is just ingrained there in your head every time you deal with clients or deal with work in this space. Look, I feel like uh, having spent a lot of time miserable in my 20s, being overworked and too stressed, I feel like the the thing that we say the most often to each other in our current business is life comes first. Interesting. Like there is there is no amount of work that will <laughs> kind of make you happy. Like you can yeah. work all week, all night, all weekend, like and it'll the work will still be there whereas your life won't. Oh no, not won't, but like 
you have to you have to prioritize your life over okay. over your work. That's it's such a miserable existence yeah. for us anyway to be to be that stressed with that level of work. And at the end of the day, we're marketing musicals. Like you know, <laughs> life should be fun. Yeah. And I I do also feel like the work is better when you come at it from a better mindset like that. When you are happy in your life and you're yeah. not stressed and like doing things for the sake of, you know, having to do them. Like, I think that's why we ended up making our Instagram handle. It isn't work because we were both like, this, this is the thing that we both are super passionate about and that we love doing. And that it's that thing that time goes by and you're like, Oh my God, where did the day go? Like I used to design till three in the morning, designing posters for things because I just didn't see the time go by. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm really, I'm having a great time designing this thing. That's the thing that I'm chasing. I'm not, trying to set up a big agency. It's like that. The thing I'm chasing is there's a feeling where I do this like happy dance unconsciously <laughs> that I'm like, oh yeah, like dancing as I'm designing. And I'm like, oh, you're in that, you're in that like flow space of like yeah, you being yeah. really happy with what you're creating. Yeah. But also you guys, it sounds like you guys innately tuned into something that a lot of creatives don't realize over their entire life is that one, you have to specialize, but it's not the be all and end all to scale up with just more stuff, more, more, more. Totally. It doesn't make you happier. It doesn't make you more money. Oftentimes it's actually you specialize and you make the the supply of your services less and less. A hundred percent. And that is what allows you to grow. Yeah. And I honestly we've we've um let go of clients because I'm like, this is making me miserable. I'd mm. like the the work is going to suffer if I keep doing this across everything. So I'm I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Like I am because I am so time poor generally, I I have a much more cutthroat approach as to things that don't make me happy. Yeah. Very in, in all in all aspects of my life. I'm like, that doesn't serve me anymore. Off you go. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think I'd reiterate that any agency owner marketer should really consider that. There's something to be said about being selective about your clients. Like we let go of a client recently because it was just the agency had changed and it was no longer a fit. And, yep. um, you know, maybe they were a bit surprised, but it, it's made, I think, the people involved in that account very happy. Yeah. Um, because it just opens us up to other opportunities. I think. And I think also having come from an environment where I never had a choice in like what I had to work yeah. on. Like they were like, yeah. hey, there's this, terrible thing that you have to work yeah. on off you go that's your job i'm like oh, makes my life like more miserable whereas yeah. now i'm like it's all that's the benefit of having your own company is you make all of the rules yeah. so if you don't want to do it don't do it yeah classic corporate agency like hey minion here's this exact terrible <laughs> account um we sold it poorly the yeah. client doesn't appreciate the work but <laughs> yeah. they need it done yesterday yeah absolutely and yet you still get the same amount of money yeah <laughs> exactly exactly right <laughs> What if I told you the way to take your brand to the next level in 2021 is with TikTok ads? A lot of our clients come to us with a problem. They need to take their brand to the next level. They're typically doing 5 to 10K a month and they need to jump to that 25, 50K per month level. And Instagram and Facebook just isn't what it was. So what's the commonality amongst all this? It is primarily opportunity in a saturated market. And we think that TikTok ads today is the answer. Now, Neural follows a two-phase process to guide you as a challenger brand on the way to growth. Phase one is all about knowing your brand and niche back to front with a focus on breaking even or getting above a break even. 
Phase two is scaling that creative to blow up your sales in the process once we've secured you as the leader in that niche on TikTok. You do this with the right partner, a committed partner like Neral, and you'll build that confidence in an area that has typically been saturated in the past. It's not a silver bullet, and we'd love to chat to you. So book in a consultation with our specialist team. Just go to neural.com slash TikTok. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash TikTok, and we'll chat to you from there. So... You know, we're we're a pretty specialist agency in that we're focused on social and talent. I've I'm always been a big believer in TikTok. Obviously, you found it during lockdown. Yep. And there's a few iconic pieces that you've put out. We'll have to make sure we make notes in the show notes because <laughs> there's some of those which are hilarious. But that was how I found you was it was it was the Scott Morrison, uh, you know, the classic Scott Morrison remix um voiceover. I'm sure others would have found you from um uh the Gladys. One as well was like a classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you, you're telling me. Like, you, you looked at the things that I brought know. in the most amount of followers. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, so. I, I know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think you've done quite a few campaigns, like significant campaigns. We've had the biggest December we've ever had, I think, for TikTok. But I still feel that a lot of marketers, agency owners, and sometimes brands are still naive about the potential of TikTok. Yeah. And I guess I'm just curious for someone who's deep in it, <laughs> plus who is also in the field of corporate marketing and dealing with clients. Yeah. What do you think a lot of clients and brands miss that that you've picked up on? Because what you're doing is sort of like R&D and then… What that, does R&D mean? Like research and design. <laughs> oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like it's, yes, it's, R&D, it's like a yeah, form. Absolutely. It really is. <laughs> I mean, you should, it genuinely is because like TikTok is sort of the forefront of social at the moment. No, absolutely. And… That's actually the reason I downloaded TikTok. Right. In pre-sort of pandemic, admittedly, someone was like, you need to stop lip syncing on this stupid Dub Smash app and start lip syncing on TikTok. Oh, you were on Dub Smash? I was on Dub Smash for years. By the way, just quickly, that got closed down last week. Did I? I deleted. I've deleted it since. Right, like, right. I, but for years, I was probably propping it up myself because I was, I was lip syncing for like four years on that app. <laughs> um, and I had a very specialized group of people who were like, I'm obsessed with your lip sync. Yeah, Until right. someone went, stop doing it on that app. Do it on TikTok. Everyone's doing it there. Yeah. So I downloaded it, but mainly to be like, I need to understand this new social app as a marketer because that's the world that we're playing in. And then when we lost all of our work, since we marketed live entertainment, I was like, well, get on into TikTok. It's fun. Do a TikTok a day. And then... I think it's like the third TikTok I did, which was the Andrew Catherine thing. Ah, okay. That was, it was kind of like on from there. Yeah, right. But what, what do I know about TikTok? I mean, it's such a difficult question. I feel like the worst things that I've seen or have been briefed on around TikTok is when brands don't actually understand it. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, this is the brief. Off you go. You make it better. But it's like your brief is so specific and you don't understand what, makes this app great that you're just missing the point completely we get it all the time like good example is when a brand will give you captions and so the caption size is like half or a third on tiktok and like lauren's sitting there because she's managing the campaigns and she's like they don't fucking get it they're just not like because she'll reply back and say here we have to shorten it to this is what we suggest and like they just they it gets lost in the email it's a like constant little things like that 
Um, a big one I have, and you've probably had it on campaign briefs as well, is where they give you like really something scripted, but you say the idea of an ad on TikTok is to make a TikTok, right? Mm. So it's got to fit into your regular formats. Mm. It can't just be this sore thumb yep. that sticks out on the profile. Yep. Like I saw one recently, this guy, he's starting to do my head in, uh, Daniel Gorringe, he just like looks at cringe stuff and he just has like this... Like that's his face yeah. reaction to every video. Yeah. So that's the whole of his profile. And then yesterday, <laughs> he has an ad for some like Viagra pill. And I'm like, okay, this is not really like within. And it's a, it's a it's a skit. He yeah. never does skits. And totally. it's, and surprise surprise, it does poorly. Yeah. And so that is a big one for me as well. Totally. And I feel like it's probably the only time that i've i've had a massive argument with someone who's hired me for something is when they wanted me to do more than than we'd negotiated and they were like why don't you want to do this and i was like because it's not funny like you're asking me to do something which uh, like no offense but a 50 year old man has yeah. written and it's not funny for yeah. this for what like it's like it's you're trying really hard but it's not it's just not good and yeah. i don't think I want to post it because yeah. I don't think it's funny. Yeah. There's nothing I can do to this that'll make it better. Yeah. What's the reaction when you come back to people like that? Well, they just disagree, obviously, because they're personally offended that yeah. I don't think that their stuff is funny. But um, <laughs> but then on the flip side, the best briefs I've had have been like, hey, this is the product. What do you reckon we should do with it? Go for it. Because it's like yeah. then, I, like, I, and don't get me wrong, as a creative, I also understand the benefit of having uh, some kind of brief, like some kind of boundary to play in. Um, but I think the best agencies give you enough of that to play. Yeah. But not too much to be like, this is what you have to do. Yeah. I think creative containment or confinement or something like that is is good for helping the creative hone in on something. Yeah. But that's got to be like a sentence. Totally. Or two sentences. It can't yeah, be yeah. like a slab of text that's like, you got to have this and you got to have that and you got to have a overlay of the promo exactly. code and yeah, like, totally. just shit like that. It's just like, this, this ain't going to do well, my friend. I also think TikTok is a completely different ballgame to people who have been used to briefing influencers on Instagram. Yeah. I feel like that is a very different... And also the kind of influencers that used to be around on Instagram were very much of that, like, use this code for this discount or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like the people that are... I, I, th I always feel like people engage more with something that is more authentic. Like me trying <laughs> um, skincare products and using them wrong. Like that is by complete mistake. Like that feels more like me and it doesn't feel like I'm lying to 80,000 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas, and I think, people can, I think people can sense that. They definitely can. And you can see in the brands that reach out to, like I turn away a lot of brands um, and tell on a surprise sometimes, but... You know, sometimes when you get a brand that says, hey, do you want to promo this discount code system? It's like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be associated with this and this is not good for your brand. Yeah. Um, I'll tell them about it, but yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not good. For you personally as a creator, you sign with Precision. What's the thing that you're thinking about around the future of brand Jeff and where this goes? Like, so the purpose of signing with My manager will know this, that she's not allowed to use... She's not allowed to reference calling me a brand because yeah. I can't bear it. I just, I, I. Have you never I watched have... Entourage where they bring the talent in <laughs> and like, like Nike, Mercedes? I just have such an aversion. Adrian Greener. <laughs> <laughs> I have such an aversion to it because I just, 
it's not something that I ever wanted. I kind of fell over this life, I guess. And so I, I don't look at myself in that way. And so I didn't sign on a management team to be like, yeah, make me a superstar. I feel like something that I live by is, well, re- more recently is um, just because you can manage it, it doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like bringing on a manager to sort of deal with a lot of the finances and admin and back and forth of agencies I can absolutely do that, and I have I did do it for two years, but I don't have to do it. Like, yeah. So they're amazing, and I love everything that they do to to take a lot of that stuff off my plate, so I can actually focus on the creating part, the fun part. Do you think that is like the key value proposition that a lot of management and agency teams offer? Um, maybe. I mean, they did a great pitch because <laughs> I went into the meeting being like, I don't need a manager. Yeah. Like, I am I am just the most overachieving kind of, I'm just going to do everything. Like I, I, with the business, I had managed the, I only have just sort of handed over the finances to someone else, but like, it's just do everything, like control everything. But again, just because you can do it, it doesn't mean you should like, uh, because I, again, I'm so time poor, I need to hand off the things that I shouldn't be doing so that I can focus on the things that I love and the things that make me happy. And management was Definitely one of one of those things. Okay, interesting. It's always intriguing just for me to hear it from from other talent who aren't yeah. sort of biased or signed by us, um, <laughs> so to speak. Just before we get into the the agency, I'm curious, simply because you are in this space, um, everyone talks about iOS 14, 15, and all that sort of stuff. The big thing for me around TikTok now and Instagram, because a lot of campaigns are affected by it, is the in-app shopping. Have you guys? Uh, have you thought about that much as a feature on the platform? I, I guess it's hard because like you deal with a lot of businesses that are sort of like experience base. Mm. So how do you integrate that into the the marketing process is a bit harder yeah. than say someone who has an e-com product. Exactly. But I guess I'm just curious, have you have you formed any opinion as yet around the sort of in-app buying stuff that's starting to come out? Not yet. And as you said, I think it's because it hasn't really affected our world so much because so much of our client base has to go through Ticketmaster and Ticketek. Like it, yeah. all of that stuff has to go through there. It's not as simple as a product within an app. Which is often just like a, you know, hey, link and bio. Like it's a link and bio or totally. something like that. It's a book now through Ticketek or Ticketmaster. Yeah, it's interesting. Can it get to a point? Because that's a big thing that happened in China is like the in app shopping purchases and all that and I just wonder how can that affect services because we still we have both B2C and B2B clients and I just Mm. always wonder about that like how can that impact a a finance broker or a dental business yeah Um, yeah it's it's a real tricky thing to navigate because like I said iOS 14 and 15 I don't know if you run many paid campaigns or if yours is more PR comms focused but there's no doubt that like the conversions have gone down massively on like the majority of spend still on Instagram, mm. I'd say like 70, 80% of client briefs. Yeah. And yeah, conversions generally. The one thing I would say is that I feel like a lot of the, I think ticket ticket purchases are viewed as a high involvement decision sometimes. So they yeah. are mostly done on desktop. Interesting. Um, and I think it's because you want you want that like somehow safety of like being able to select your seat and all making it like feel more legitimate on a desktop. But I would say that's starting to skew a little bit more 
like to buying tickets on your phone and 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 in that sense, people being more comfortable doing that on a phone rather than yeah, a desktop. Yeah. I agree with that. So we might get there eventually, but it's a very <laughs> slow burn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is, I do. That's really interesting because, yeah, the bulk of your purchases are, are done via Ticketek and who's the other big Ticketmaster? Ticketmaster. And the user experience hasn't changed much. But then on the e comm side, you've got the, this massive development of systems like. Linktree and other sort of landing page systems yeah, yeah. that connect a lot of e-com or like social commerce. I do wonder, maybe there's some sort of opportunity there to improve the experience over time for, yeah. you know, services or like experiences in particular. Now, the the agency, Workshop Creative, so co-founded with Ash 2018. Yep. We've covered the specialization. Many major clients, we've got Moulin Rouge, Hamilton, School of Rock, just to name a few. When I look at the campaigns, I really like the way that you guys approach it. Like I can see how things like TikTok have impacted you, but also like your innate creativity that aligns with the platform because I was just looking at, um, there was one in there where like you guys had done like a hero around the characters and not just like, come buy tickets to this show, <laughs> roll up, roll up type yeah, shit. Yeah, totally. it, was, it was really, <laughs> like as a, it looked like a TV scene. It was really strategic and not just transactional. Totally. Um, you know, I guess I, I was curious, why was Ash the right person to do this with? Like, how did you two get discussing this? I mean, admittedly, Ash is one of my best mates. So that's okay. like option number one. But we used to sit next to each other at the agency that we used to work at. And we were both very, like, both excelled in the creative area, but both had different skills. So, like, I was always, obviously, the sort of creative design, making things look beautiful, and th that was the stuff that I knew that I could nail instantly. On his side, he was always, like, nailing TV and radio scripts and and sort of that that world writing copy for, for flyers or, or EDMs or Facebook ads. And so we would often sort of help each other with those two sections yeah. um, to be like, oh, can you read over this like thing that I've written? Can you look at this design? Why is it working? Like that kind of thing. And so I left the agency before him and I just went and freelanced for a while. Um, but it got to the stage where I was getting so much work and there was so much potential work that I was like, I don't want to do that. Like I, I could do that, but I don't want to. It's not, it's not what makes me come alive. It's not what I'm passionate about. But I was like, it's totally what Ash loves to do. There just was this sort of gap in the market for someone who specialized in just creative. I feel like a lot of the creative agencies in the entertainment world are like, we do everything. Yeah. And it's not not all of them, but some of them are like, we do everything and some things hey, are, media. are pretty bad. <laughs> like we'll do everything kind of mediocre. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they just re did really good media and, and they kind of tacked on creative. And so, yeah, there was this, we both were really keen to make something, A, that we loved doing and, and that we were passionate about, but also to try and do things differently. I think, as as you've kind of said, like there's a lot of theatre marketing campaigns that if you're in the industry, look exactly the same. It's like, oh, yep, different footage, same kind of quote, the same quote is in the same yeah. place. You're going to say like <laughs> the best thing you've ever seen, like chuck the quote there. It's very formulaic. Yeah. And the thing that we wanted to do, aside from doing things that we loved, was to do things that are different, to, to try and break the mold of what has always been done. Like, mm. I think when we both started working at the agency that there were shows that were doing a lot of press and, and a lot of 
posters and flyers and that kind of marketing. And now it's a completely different world. Like there are some shows that we work on that don't even make a flyer anymore, mm. which to us six years ago would have been like, what? What are you doing? You're not making a flyer? Yeah. <laughs> um, even groups markets and things that used to be massive back then don't really exist anymore. They're not, they're not how you sell a ticket to a show. So I feel like now is the perfect time to be trying to reach people in different ways. And we're becoming such a digital age that things move so much faster. So so to be able to be swift and and to change your strategy just, you know, on a whim is is a great kind of position to be in. Yeah, and like you said, it sounds like the standing out component is is a big thing with that. Um it also sounds very similar to Lauren and I starting our agency in that you had a skill set and Ash had a skill set. Yeah. Um and it paired well and you were going to step on each other's toes. Totally. Which is very important when you've yep. got a co-founder because it's like a marriage. <laughs> it's a marriage. Let's be Absolutely. honest. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all um, it's all you think and talk about together. We, we laugh sometimes because when we started the business and we were like, these are the things that I'm going to look after. These are the things that you're going to look after. One of the things I said to him is, I want nothing to do with social. I like, okay. I want like no part in it. <laughs> really? Cut to now. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of me falling over it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. It was just not something that ever interested me. I'm like, oh, God, social, yuck. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think, like you guys have got these different skill sets and you've been in this sort of specialist space for a while now. What's not changed about the marketing of a theater production or a live event? That at the end of the day, the way to connect with someone is through emotion. I think emotion is the thing that, moves anyone that changes anyone's behavior and so being able to tap into some kind of emotion in what we're trying to market or or how we're trying to communicate that's the thing that'll that'll get things across the line and there are a million ways to do that and i I did notice like when we were talking before about you making um this particular campaign like the the hero being the actual characters themselves Mm. or when I say characters, the people that are in the ad, not the characters of the no, show. No, totally. Yeah. Um, but there's there's an emotiveness about it and that they're singing along to the songs, the back end of the show, and yeah. it really clutches it. Like, I, this is how I noticed because I was doing my research, I was going through my notes and I was just playing a few interviews in the background, a few ads just to get the vibe, you know. And <laughs> I turn on one and uh, it's got an ABBA song in it. And my wife, who sits just there, just start singing to it innately. Yeah. And she's like, God, I'm my mother's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's so funny how that connects with people. So I feel like you guys really nailed that on the head. Totally. If that that does that for someone, then… Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was Ash um, coming up with that when he was at AKA. But it's totally that. I think that was probably the, the, the first spark for him of we don't always have to just show the show. Like… There are, there are more ways to talk about shows than just being like, hey, guys, this is what's on stage. Isn't it beautiful? Like there are so many more experiences that you can focus on um, to market a show. When you, when you look in hindsight, you're four years in now. Is there any downside, do you think, to being like a specialist agency? Like, yeah, we can talk about COVID, but that's sort of like a <laughs> one in a hundred year type event. Yeah, yeah. To be fair. Yeah. Is there anything else that sort of bugs you at times when you when you look at yourself as a specialist now? Um, Look, there are definitely jobs that I have turned down because I'm like, I physically don't have the time to do that. And Mm. I think being the way that we have created the company and that we strive to be is that 
you essentially just buy us. Like we are the people that have the ideas. Yeah, you buy you, us. You talk, you talk to the person who's physically doing the design. You talk to the person who's physically writing the scripts, which is in a, in a sort of bigger agency setup is not always the way. Like you kind of talk to an account manager who then talks to 20 other people and like it kind of the, the efficiency of that is just crazy. And that was, again, one of, the, one of the things that we use to stand out is that we're so efficient and we can run so, such massive campaigns like Hamilton and you know, Mary Poppins because you are talking to the actual doer and it gets done. Like there's no, there's no loss in translation. There's no million opinions. Like it, it just, it's, a, it's a very efficient um, team. Mm. Yeah, I can see what you mean. But so in that sense, there's only kind of so much capacity that we can do to continue to do what we do well. Yeah, so there's always like a nagging feeling sometimes maybe that like, oh, should we go hire a bunch of people so we can do this work? Totally. Yeah, so you sort of like, yeah, it's this balancing act. But see, I guess for me, this is where I'm like, just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. Get rid no. of get get rid of get rid of your finance. Get rid of try. Can we get rid of some of this admin stuff that like doesn't matter about your creative talent? Like what get what can what can we hand off so that we can actually have more capacity in that creative space? The thing that people are hiring us for. Mm. Like no one's hiring us because of how the finance runs in the business. Like no <laughs> one cares about that. No no one cares about how you fill in a material instruction deadline sheet. Like you know yeah. they're the things that we um, are trying to kind of find other people for so that we can grow within our own capacity. Yeah. When you look at the strategy of the business now, I don't know if you and Ash have had this conversation, but... Probably not. Whatever the question is, probably not. (laughs) So you're four years in from Feb, I believe it is. You personally. Oh, sure. So I I think Ash would have obviously come in at some way. Yep. What do you want for the future? Like what, what are you daydreaming about at the moment with the stage you are at your life? I mean, me personally or? You, you personally and how that, because that, that affects the business, right? Like when, when it's two of you and yep. you got two founders, like there's no, you and the business are sometimes hard to distinguish. Absolutely. So, yeah, is, is there things that you're daydreaming about at the moment and what that future looks like? I mean, I'm daydreaming about a break, which is like Christmas. Yeah. So I like, I just, and this is so sad, but I'm like, I'm not going to see my family on Christmas and I know no one's going to email me on Christmas. Really? So, Why? Why aren't you seeing your family? Um, because our family is so like big and um, there's lots of people. We often do it early in December. So we're doing our family Christmas this yeah. weekend. Right. <laughs> which then frees me up to just do nothing, nothing. on yeah. Christmas, which sounds sad, but I'm so excited about. <laughs> yeah. Actually, do you know, it's a similar thing on my mom's side. She's one of 10. Yeah. So we don't have Christmas Day with that family. We yep. just do it um, next weekend. Yeah, exactly. It's too hard. You, you, can, you can do Christmas whenever you want. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. So, so there's nothing big that you're thinking about. It's, it's really, with the last two years that you've had, it's about, having time to sit down and relax. Maybe this is what you'll think about. No, true. I mean, I do, I do think we've, we've discussed a, a more about um, trying to, I guess, come up with more, more things that are relevant to the current, you know, climate of the industry and, and, and trying to push, the, push it further than what has been done in the past, not doing mm. things because that's how they've always been done. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, we've absolutely tried this and we, we, a lot of things haven't been approved, but we're still, you know, we're going to get one through eventually. Have you thought about travel and what that would give you for seeing other 
how other shows are marketed internationally at the moment. Like, because that, that's, that's sort of a big thing is like the whole, like theatre is quite an international game. Absolutely. I mean, the benefit is you don't actually have to be in those cities to see how you they're don't. marketed. Yeah. I guess down to the like uh, detail of what's in a magazine ad or whatever. But generally you can kind of see how a show is presenting itself, particularly on social media and um, and sort of paid EDMs and ads and stuff that you can get from Broadway and, and the West End. But yeah, I don't I don't think we'd need to go to the West End or go to Broadway to see how those are marketed because we can see it from here. Yeah. Do you think there's a particular market just out of interest, whether it's the West End or Broadway, that dominates more? Like, Do you think one is bigger than the other or more important than the other in terms of the theatre space today? I... Or do you think because of the nature of and the freedom of travel and digital that um, shows are really dependent on just how how much feedback they get? Ooh, I mean, it's tricky. I, I do think that Broadway has kind of leaped ahead in terms of the kind of product that they're pushing out, but then also how they're, how they're marketing their shows. I feel like the West End is still very traditional in how they promote shows with lots of big quotes and kind of, you know, mm. roll up, roll up, as yeah. you, as roll you up, said. Roll up. Um, whereas I think Broadway, because of the types of brand new shows that they're, they're pumping out, they have to think about things differently and they have to um, make things feel more modern and, and communicate to people in the way that they're used to being communicated to. So I would say Broadway. Yeah, yeah it was just really interesting um, watching an interview recently with um, R.R.E. Emanuel, who... Ari Gold is actually based off right. um, who runs Endeavor Group. So they're like the biggest talent business in the world and they were talking about the impact on the theatre business, the movie business, like impact, COVID, how it impacted it yeah, um, and how that sort of transformed the experience, so to speak. Because mm. it's a very, it was for Recode, so it was very tech-focused right. show and they're like, it's Karen, uh, what's her name, Switzer or whatever her name is and she's like, ranting on about how people aren't going to go to movies again or the theatre again. I'm like, bullshit. Like, all I want to do right now is fucking go to the cinema. <laughs> totally. Like, because it, I want to smell the popcorn. I want to sit in the plush seats. I'm sick of sitting on my fucking Absolutely. couch. I'm sick of, like, watching something and I, because I am at home, I still can reach and look at my phone because I get a message. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that at the cinema or the theatre because yeah. people just be like, what yeah. are you doing, demon? Absolutely. So, um. Yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting chat. All right. Before we jump into some rapid fire questions, you've we listened back to a few interviews that you've done, which is always interesting. Oh God, what have I said? Um, <laughs> no, I just I, I was curious, what's the question you get all the time on these sort of shows that you can't stand? Um, I don't know that I can't stand any questions. I feel like the one that I think is the most uninspiring is how do you think of all your content? Yeah. <laughs> I just <laughs> It is, it is like the classic morning show. I'm not going to think about this yeah. too much. Just ask him some questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, like put an open-ended question. That is, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Like that. that's the thing is like the, the, I feel like the art of the preamble is something that's lost in a lot of these shows. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you wish you could talk about more? Uh, about how bullshit social media is. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I like, honestly, I feel like there's so much of it and which is why I don't say I've ever chased it because I I don't I've never looked at it 
and glamorize yeah, yeah. the social media life. Like, don't get me wrong, there is there is some great aspects to it and there's some stuff that is super fun. Maybe for some people, like, who are just, like, desperate for attention, they enjoy that. Me, personally, I would say I'm a relatively shy person. So whenever mm. I'm out in public and people are, like, pointing at me or whispering about me, I get so anxious. Yeah. Um, don't do that. No, but, like, <laughs> I, I, I just feel like there's, there's, there's so... It's such a broad, um, there's so much stuff that kind of happens to you in that social media world. I feel like, yeah, the, you only ever talk about the like, oh my God, it's so funny and how do you think of all your content? <laughs> it's all like, none of it means anything and I feel like all it does is just glamorize it's it It's just talking more. for the sake of talking. Yeah, it's yeah. just, well, there's no thought in it. There's, there's no thought I, in and it. And I think I'm also just like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not my social media. Like that yeah, is not yeah. who I am as do you, a person. Do you know it's so funny meeting you now and having learned about you? You are quite the cynic of social media, I find. But that's probably. also probably your your superpower in that, like, because you're cynical of it, you're able to not obsess over it, like whereas a lot of Absolutely. other people do. Um, yeah. yeah, and look, don't get me wrong. Like, if people like, if you hate it so much, why you want it? Yeah. Or like, why why do you why do are it? You making money? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I do what I do is because. Like with the business, yeah. I have fun doing it. Like it's something that I you like it and you can. I exactly. I I did it to kill time, and I do it now to to have fun. So I'm still allowed to have fun. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Rapid fire questions to finish things off. Bring it on. Book that you would recommend to the audience. Oh, if I had to choose one, it would be, and my friends know this, it's the book I've recommended to like literally everyone. Um, it's called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Okay. Um, I feel like I read that as, uh, as I was wanting to quit the agency life and reading that book made me resign. What's the synopsis of the book? It just tells you that you can be a badass. Okay. Um, no, it, it's, it's essentially about a woman, a kind of entrepreneurial sort of woman, and she talks about her processes and... It's a little self-helpy, like so. If you despise those books, don't read it. Sometimes but, we like, need those books. But there was like there was things in it, like I think she's talking about like doing something that you love, and she says nothing is unstoppable as a freight train full of fuck yeah. And I'm like, absolutely, like that is that is definitely something that I live by. If I'm like fuck yeah, this is exciting, like you'll you'll get you'll get shit done, and mm. you'll be really efficient. The other thing was the part that made me quit my job was um, jump off a cliff and build your parachute on the way down. And I was like, that's absolutely it. Like, I quit my job with nothing to go to, but because I had nothing to go to, fuck, that made me work. Like, that made me create and and do work and and, and make things so that I landed on my feet. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And it sounds like you're sort of an introvert, like an, an agreeable introvert. Yeah. So when you read a book like that, it can be transformative like totally. a lot of people poo-poo self-help but I find that if there's a book that speaks to a certain element of your personality it can be the thing that just opens all these doors and don't get me wrong there's lots of stuff in there where she talks about like a greater power and all that yeah. stuff which I'm like no thank you yeah uh, a lot of people yeah. do that like Tony <laughs> Robbins is really religious I don't think people realize yeah. that like he's very very Christian I mean she's not she doesn't talk about Christian in the sense but she does talk about like the universe yeah, and, yeah. And, and the greater power and, and yeah. all of that stuff which I'm like nah, I'll just skip over that but there's lots of yeah. there's lots of like stuff in there that she does talk about that I found really useful I'd agree with that 
uh, podcast, doco, or movie that you've watched recently that you'd recommend? Oh, God. I don't know. It was maybe not that recent, but it's probably my favorite documentary of all time is Three Identical Strangers. Um, I was working at the film festival doing their program when that was in their festival. Um, and I read the synopsis and was and then watched the trailer and was like, oh, my God, this is insane. Have you seen it? No. Oh, God, go watch it immediately. Okay. Um, three, the- three Identical Strangers. It is about a group of triplets that were separated at birth. Oh, shit. That found each other by accident. Hang on. The, and this is a Netflix doco? Um, I'm not sure. It, it wasn't a Netflix doco. It was just a documentary. Maybe it was on Netflix at one stage. I think it was on SBS as well. Um, but, like, them finding each other is only begin, the beginning of this massive, like... I, I know the one you're talking about. Journey. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's... Um, I remember seeing the trailer for this and going, oh, shit, I need to... I do need to see this. It's just incredible. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> yeah, right. So this was released in 2018, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's saying something. Deserves it, yeah. The tricky thing about Rotten Tomatoes is always to look and see what the audience says <laughs> and not what the uh, reviewers <laughs> totally. say. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same. Last question for you. Is there any quotes that you think about often or... Or live by at all? I mean, I kind of just said two of the ones that I lived by from that from that ah, book. Okay. But, um, do I have any other quotes? Live, laugh, laugh, pray. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like there's another one that I'm so famed for saying, like within my group of friends, but I cannot remember Adam. it. Adam, sorry, Adam, what? <laughs> Andrew, you mean? Andrew, <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> Andrew, like Andrew. who's Adam? <laughs> I don't um, know why Adam came. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those two. That's good. That'll just do what makes you happy. That'll do it. <laughs> um, Jeff, where can people find you on the interwebs? They can find me on Instagram at JJZANDT mm-hmm. or I'm tricky here on <laughs> TikTok at JZANDT. Yeah. <laughs> so JJ was taken? I just never liked JJ. JJ was like a name that my sisters used to call me as a kid because my middle name is um, starting with a J and I hate it, so I'm not going to say it. But, oh, God, look, hilariously, everyone reads my Instagram handle as J-I-Z-A-N-D-T. So that's fun. (laughs) We'll we'll link all of that. Um, We'll also link Workshop Creative in there as well. Um, I thoroughly recommend if you're coming up with the show, check them out. Um, There's a lot of interesting campaigns on there. Jeff, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you liked it, do subscribe and, of course, like it on YouTube if you're watching as well. We'd really appreciate that. For audio, if you've not already listening on your podcast app, you can search for it on any good app, including Spotify, Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. For video, if you're not watching, you can search Uncommon Podcast on YouTube. It's the first one that appears every single time. For behind the scenes, do follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's at uncommon underscore show. But until next time, thanks for tuning in.